0: Hey, pull up a chair, it's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod and Mike Murphy.
1: My fellow Americans tonight with a heart full of gratitude and boundless optimism, I profoundly accept this nomination for president of the United States. (laughs) Biden is a Trojan horse for socialism. If Joe Biden doesn't have the strength to stand up to wild-eyed Marxists like Bernie Sanders and his fellow radicals, and there are many, there are many, many, we see them all the time, it's incredible actually, then how is he ever going to stand up for you? He's not. If the Democrat party wants to stand with anarchists, agitators, rioters, looters and flag burners, that is up to them but I, as your president, will not be a part of it. The Republican Party will remain the voice of the patriotic heroes who keep America safe and salute the American flag. All right,
2: the greatest four-day reality show, better known as the Trump National Convention, has just wrapped up, broadcast tonight. Live from the White House lawn, Mike, a convention that started without a platform ended with a 70-minute speech.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, ghost of Fidel Castro is spinning in his grave right now thinking, I respect Trump as a dictator, yet he's moving in on my territory with the endless speeches. It was something else. And to join us to try to dissect it and the convention in a special midnight oil hacks on tap here right after the convention, we have... Our special guest, Hackeru, the great Amanda Carpenter. Thank you for joining us.
3: Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me. Look, let's just dive right in. Uh,
2: Mike, the, this was a, a convention of of not-so-subtle messaging. Uh, uh, this was—I don't think anybody that watched any moment of the last four days uh, is going to wonder what Trump is going to say over the next 67 as we get to Election Day— uh, did he move the needle did 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 he accomplish what he needed to do
0: well it wasn't subtle it reminded me of the old classic snl sketch where garrett morris was the interpreter for the deaf, screaming at the set and uh, there were definitely echoes of that they they were using the sledgehammer theory of communications which isn't too persuasive i have to put aside my white hot rage as a conservative at the desecration of the once great republican party don't because do that you know, well, no, no, it, it's Don't unextinguishable. It's an atomic pile. You could, you could, you know, light light Pittsburgh with it. Uh, so I was so pissed to see the White House treat it this way. I can imagine Kim Jong Il watching it and kind of, you know, snickering. Now that's how it's done. So I was so offended on so many levels. And the the lying, the dishonesty of it. Now, look, I've been in politics thirty years, and I know how to throw a curveball. Made a lot of negative ads, but this was incredible. So if I if I put all that aside. My quick scorecard, and then I, I want to hear what you and Amanda think, would be, one, they're they're trying very hard to win the Republican primary. And I'm thinking they got that mm-hmm. under pretty control. Because Trump's a guy in political trouble. Um, he's lost the Republican suburbs. He's got trouble with older voters. Young voters despise him. So he's got to make some numbers move. And instead of using the huge paintbrush of a convention and that media platform to try to do that, he played the old hits. And mm-hmm. so... Will he fire up his people? Yes, but when you cast a vote and yell MAGA, it doesn't count twice. So I do think the race will tighten a bit because I think the constant surrogates and everything, and again, you know, the Pinocchio meter now goes from Italy all the way to South America. It's a new record. Um, There's some scratches on Biden, but as far as repositioning Trump and fixing all their big problems, I don't think they did much. And there was kind of a freak show element. It was like, you know, the Fox uh, News Oscars at times. Uh, Mike,
3: I really don't think you should insult Kim Jong-un because they would have steamed the flags behind the podium.
0: (laughs) That is is a good point. That is a good point. They work a little harder. What did you think?
3: I can't get past the optics, right? Like Donald Trump, his big thing is optics, which I did learn tonight there is such thing as too much fireworks, which I did not think could happen because I thought the Washington Monument was going to spontaneously combust (laughs) from all the atmospherics. Um but it is the optics thing. Yeah, I think Trump supporters will look at it and say, Yes, it was beautifully produced. What a great show. But you look at that and all you can see is the White House becoming a prop for a super spreader event. I mean, I'm a suburban mom. My elementary school kids have to wear masks when they go to school the whole day. They go outside and have snack. They sit six feet apart. And these full grown adults can't do that. I mean, I, he didn't have a coherent message because it rambled on for so long. And so I think the picture is the message that is going to stick. That's all that came out of this.
0: You know, it's funny when he mentioned ventilators, I saw the front row of old guys kind of all wake up and pay attention because uh, it might be personal in another month. It, it was incredibly, uh, both as a symbol and as a, as an action, just so destructive, uh, in the middle of a, a pandemic to send that, totally wrong message.
2: Look, I was a little struck by, you know, the frame really did seem to be uh, grab a lot of spaghetti and throw it against the wall and, and just see sort of what sticks. Because, I mean, if you listen over the last four days, you, you certainly understand that, that Donald Trump is the one thing, uh, he, he wants his voters to understand he's the one person standing between them in utter chaos. Uh, anarchy, uh, riots, uh, all all of that I, I was struck though that that it, it, at one point you, you know, if you listen to these speeches at all, Joe Biden is both um, this evil, mean person that puts everybody in jail or this person who lets everybody run loose on the streets. and so again, I, I thought it was one of these it, it was a bit grab baggy for just anything goes. I, I will say I think they did sharpen their message into a bit more of the kind of the the sort of standard a bit more standard Republican playbook, right? You, you heard about taxes. Uh, you heard about building a, a strong economy, uh, uh, Mike. You, I'm sure they were. You, you got all tingly when they started mentioning socialism. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think they, I think, I think there was some. As you said, the race will tighten a bit. I think. I do think they made some progress. I was struck there was such an inherent tension in so much of this convention. And that was speaker after speaker really painting a picture that nobody has seen or heard about Donald Trump in four years uh, to go along with him being the protector of chaos and mayhem. And I do really wonder, can those suburban voters, Mike, that you talk about that, that he's, that he's pushed away and needs to go get, are they willing to buy into this alternative caricature after only 4
0: days granted it was four long days including one long speech. Yeah. yeah, um you know it's interesting. I think if the the problem with the Trump campaign is it reflects the candidate's a blunt force instrument. There's never any subtlety and they've lo- they've kind of given up trying to fix Trump, but if they wanted to do that to move the needle, the convention should have been a craftier deal to draw in those people who have certain economic um, fears about biden or tend to be you know white independents who often quietly vote republican try to lure them in and seduce them a little bit instead they just went with the full brain scream maga stuff from day one and so they 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 didn't have that sophistication i I think they did go back to some of the older hits that's bill steppi the guy who replaced the ferrari collector as manager because the the machine if they can't control trump they know how to how to play a couple of the old hits, and you did see a lot of that in the convention. The problem is those hits used to do good when the electorate was eighty percent Caucasian. Uh right. That ain't true anymore. We're going to hover around 71, 70, and so the world has changed. And I don't know if the old message it'll tighten the race a little, but I don't know if it gets them across the finish line. And as far as fixing Trump, you know, it. Um, let me put it this way: if if you're MAGA now you got a large mythology to keep believing in Trump. You can now irritate your relatives and have a discussion and say, oh, he did this, he did that, he saved the lady who was in prison who gave the great speech. they got ammo now. But as far as persuading anybody, uh, I didn't feel it. I thought it was kind of a mixed bag. But, they, you know, again, they, they, they definitely worked over Biden, who's still a bit undefined. So the Biden campaign right. should take this culture war stuff very seriously. I'm glad he's out there pushing back on riders. He could do even more. Don't give Trump the opening. But all in all, I didn't feel persuasion. I felt base massage.
3: I think there was some persuasion. I mean, just regular people. I always go back to this idea of who is rewarding the people who play by the rules. And I do see kind of a breakdown in different issues, right? Like there's the COVID rule abiders, the people who mask and social distance, who Biden is appealing to through the pandemic. And then you have Trump appealing to the law and order, like. Type of rule followers against the protesters, and I honestly I, I do think that is extremely powerful. And people see the rioting and looting. There's not a supportive reaction to that. Um, that is turning quickly, and I, I just think the Democrats have to be very careful about that because Donald Trump plays that card so well. And honestly, who who supports the vandalism that's gone through? I, I'm actually shocked. I expected to see a lot more imagery of that, or sort of in your face. And it didn't come this week, but it is certainly coming. And I just know people, you know, women, you're moved when you look at beautiful monuments in our cities, just utterly destroyed. And you kind of have Democrats saying like, yeah, you know, that's kind of okay. They had a point. That's just not going to fly.
2: And you saw, I think you saw uh, Biden uh, yesterday, get out there, uh, record a video that they threw out Uh, did some interviewing today to sort of push back uh, to Mike's point on, I think they're still probably fact-checking night one. You know, it'll be a a good week or two before they get to night four. Uh, You know, Harris was out there today. I mean, look, I I think if you're the Biden campaign, I agree with both of you. you got to take, you've got to take having this gauntlet thrown down around the culture wars extremely seriously. I think people are probably largely because of the calendar back in their corners politically, as it relates to uh, what the protesters are, what what the goal of the protesters are uh, when, when they may have been pro uh, pro protester and pro March uh, in, in June. Uh, And, and look, I, I think, you know, Biden is going to wake up, tomorrow in in a in a in a real campaign uh, that's going to require um, less of the campaign deciding when he wants the campaign to come to him and needing to prosecute this every single day and to your point Mike I think also is as he corrects the record and makes sure that he doesn't get cast in the wrong light is to continue to tell people uh, what he would do I, I think if there's one thing I might add to what the Democrats did at the convention is I, I, I a little bit more talk on the economy uh, and the, the strengthening role that, that he and Harris wanted to play
0: in its rebuilding. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I'm with Amanda because we, we're both veterans of how Republicans get those suburbanites. And I thought Biden did a better job today in the news cycle, but he's got to mm-hmm. let his old school lunch bucket Democrat, Irish Catholic soul say what he really thinks, which is I'm, I'm horrified at the yet another police murder, and nobody is going to break some china to fix that like I will in the White House. But put the goddamn bricks down, because I worry there's a woke department in the Biden campaign that is saying, careful, can't offend anybody, got to be careful, Jill, you don't get it, you're an old guy, this is the new... You know, we got to keep our hand And a couple atoms of that permissiveness and it's okay and understandable anger. A little of that is a spark that the Trump people can turn into a bonfire. I was in a focus group today of, of voters and the screen was independents and suburban Republicans who say they're undecided. But there are a couple of people who weren't undecided. They were back with Trump and it was all the riots. Biden's weak. Trump is tough. Joe understands too much. There was even a racist guy in there who was doing code words about he's too old, he's going to die and then you know who's going to be president. Um so that you know the Democrats That'll... should never underestimate that that dry kindling is out there tragically in American politics and and woke Joe is phony Joe. Let him let him be Joe and and be tough on this.
3: Yeah, I do think during the Democratic convention I understood, you know, all the work that was being done to paint him as an empathetic guy who suffered loss who cares about people. But, it, you know, as Republican watching, take it for what it's worth. It felt like it went too far and it made Biden a little too soft. And he needs, you know, Donald Trump has a very offensive in your face message. I don't think Joe Biden has an offensive story to tell. I mean, I don't mean like offend you. I mean, like football, go on the offense with your message. Um, it's just like, I'm a nice guy. And everything else is just defense. And this is stuff that is, you know, this is real stuff happening in the streets. And we should see some righteous anger to match that, to show voters that he has the get up and go to fix it.
2: Yeah, I think they made him maybe a little too much the guy you wanted to live next to and and somebody you, you know, you wanted to share a short fence with. But uh, uh, I think there's no doubt. Look, I, I think one of the interesting things about the next 67 days I don't think we've ever walked into a campaign uh, where, in the last sixty-seven days, both campaigns uh, are in control of less and less of what's going on in the world. Uh, you know, whether you know it is a police officer in Kenosha on a Sunday night, or the the, the next outbreak at a university, uh, or the next economic report. I, I, I do think it will be interesting to watch which of these two campaigns over the next 67 days is best at understanding and and managing, if you will, surfing that news cycle. One, to look for places to go, as, as you said, Amanda, on offense, and then other places that they need to just shut down uh, on defense so that the storylines don't become – uh, you know,
0: two, three, four days or something they just lose total control of. You know, it was interesting tonight. You definitely saw a big poker tell. We've talked about this a little bit before. I'm obsessed with it. I wrote a post piece last week on this very topic, which was, yeah, Trump's going to do the law and order, silent majority, you know, Biden's dangerous and there's some power in that form. But he's starting to tease the magic vaccine already which is thanks to his, we apparently invented our DNA and all the new technology. I didn't know. I'm sure the, the scientists in Cambridge and the biotech world are shocked to hear that one. But they're going to start, I think, this mania about there's a magic vaccine coming in 90 days, everything's fine. And I've cured it, so now it's back to the economy where he still has a perceived advantage. So the Biden campaign ought to get in front of that. There's a temptation, I think, in Democratic politics to say, wait a minute, that's inaccurate. The New York Times gave that five <laughs> negative stars for, you know, uh, there will be a very strict editorial written tomorrow, sir. And what if Trump, if the pe- people ask Madoff, ask Trump University tuition payers, ask people who like to buy a lot of diet books, people want to believe. So they're going to want to believe the vaccine is 90 days away on Christmas Day. Trump, the president of the United States, will say it. And then it could get back to who's better manager of the economy even more powerfully. So Biden's got to break Trump on the economy, at least not let him have an advantage. Because I think October could have a phony, I hope not phony, but premature, put it, uh, uh, mania about a vaccine is arriving. The president says so. Everything's fine again.
2: I thought Mike Pence delivered the Trump speech tonight far better last night at Fort McHenry than mm-hmm. <laughs> Donald Trump did today uh, <laughs> on the lawn of the White House, and and I must admit, I, I it it took me a bit to get into the Pence speech because it, it is a plotting sort of delivery. Um, but I thought one of the one of the things that made him really effective uh, on Wednesday night was I thought he prosecuted exactly that is is. Who do you, and he said it? Who do you trust more to rebuild this economy? And and you know and and I was interested too, you know. Joe Biden has gone from being sleepy Joe Biden to being the guy who's been in Washington for forty-seven years. They've swapped that out pretty cleanly uh, and tried to kind of now make him own. Uh, hell, Tom Cotton just rounded it up to pure five decades tonight. That he owns fifty years of of backward Washington decision making which i don't think is a, a i don't think it's a bad frame for them uh and again i thought i was
0: i was struck by i thought pence was really strong on that economic argument in his speech and that's the old hits you know the republicans yes. want to dominate economy and fiscal policy even though
2: yep, you know taxes regulation all the all the greatest
3: yeah i agree he's going to try to pull that trick i just think that's an awfully hard sell and any competent campaign should be able to pop that bubble pretty easily i mean saying the vaccine is coming; therefore, the economy is healed. I mean, that's some snake oil if I ever heard it. He will sell it. You are correct, um, but if Biden Harris can't say, "Listen, he's the guy that broke it," are you really going to trust him? You know, to inject this straight into your veins and bet your <laughs> life on that? I mean, you got to be crazy. So they, I just they've really got to be a little bit more forward leaning on this yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, the message is is that he broke the economy because he put himself above the health of our country Mm -hmm. and uh, that's so straightforward and i did see harris do that a little bit in her speech today um which i think was good it's just i'm not sure it's clean i'm not sure it's firing on all cylinders quite yet it's it's not seeping in but uh, give it time but uh, trump world operates at lightning facebook speed and i i i'm not convinced biden harris is competing on that level
2: Democrats I can I'll, I'll I'll take this banner up because uh being the only one currently in this that's a Democrat but um look we have a tendency and we've always get made fun of you, you couldn't you, you know you can't put our slogan on a bumper sticker because the the bumper's not that big and you know th- that that is the one you know that's one of the things I get worried about is we're going to try to prosecute an argument that's too deep and too broad. And I think, look, I think the next 67 days are about keeping it real simple, mm-hmm. right? You know, it, this is uh, it, it, the the guy that ran the car in the ditch is not going to be the guy to tow it out. I think right? I've heard you
3: know, that one before, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have. <laughs> I think there's a part of that that is a persona. We're in persona politics now. Any real conservative looks at what Trump stands for. And, you know, that 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 isn't what we joined the cause for. That's one of the big reasons I despise the guy so much. But Biden's persona, I, Biden can say, I'll keep you safe. Because if I'm president, the cities will not be on fire. Uh, um, because I'm not the arsonist fireman, where I'm going to go start a fire, pour gasoline out, run around the corner, change and come back and say, give me $100, I'll put out the fire. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get the economy going so you don't have economic fear." I'm going to talk to scientists and get the pandemic thing done. Right. So your kids can go back to school. I'm normalcy. I'm not chaos. I'm an old shoe and you'll be safe with me. And I'm feisty enough to enforce it.
3: You could say, you know, I've been in Washington forever, but you didn't see this till Donald Trump came along. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. We, we, we we brought in the chimp from the zoo and now there's crap on the ceiling and the house is on fire. So I'm going to, I'm going to put it back. Right. And you will be safe because unlike him, I tell you the truth, and I care about you. Ask the Amtrak guy. Ask to this, ask to that. He only cares about himself. Ask the people nervously getting COVID tests this morning on his staff after being forced at gunpoint to clap for him like a tin-pot dictator on the lawn of the White House. <laughs> and just do the persona contrast to make that really relevant. You know, you touch on a point, Mike. I think this is
2: a—Trump a, is a is a campaigner that has never understood uh, that— 2016 is no longer here and it is 2020 and he owns all this yeah uh you know he, he 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 is a perfectly suited candidate to run against uh an incumbent or in an open seat but never shown uh the curiosity or discipline to fix uh, yeah. or, or lead the country and now runs as an incumbent owning uh all that's happened in the last not just four years, but really what's been crystallized in the last six or eight months. You know, I was struck by, you know, we uh, weekly unemployment claims. I'm one of these geeks that still reads right. I still read the Department
0: of Labor press releases, and I'm struck by the fact that <laughs> I've always wanted to meet a guy like you.
2: <laughs> nice to, nice all right, to meet that's you.
0: All right, we all have our own porn, I guess. But but tell me more. We have had 22 of the last 23 weeks
2: initial first-time unemployment claims have exceeded a million people, yeah. right? We, and for historical perspective, the record before this was 700,000. We, we, we didn't hit this in the Great Recession. We never hit a million in the Great Recession. We're now 22 out of 23. So I do think, I, I'm not suggesting that they go all status on you, uh, go statistics on you, but I think there's a simple case to prosecute. And it's hanging the incumbency of the last four years around Donald Trump.
3: Yeah, Biden Harris should come out and say, "Do you want to go back to your office again? Do you want to go back to work? Do you want to go outside? Do you want your kids to go to school? Vote Biden Harris."
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: I would like for life to go back to normal. I would like to. Have, do you want? Do you want Christmas this year? Do you want to say Merry Christmas again to your family? Vote Biden Harris.
0: Yeah, he loves Trump that is, Merry Trump Christmas. is chaos. Trump i know is steal it from yeah, it, exactly because
3: i don't think my kids are going to see their grandparents this christmas i really don't i'm yeah. worried about
0: it so he, here mm-hmm. is a tactical question for you robert i always like to joke around that the republicans under trump have become the stupid party but the democrats are the neurotic party and i can tell out here in communist la that they could feel <laughs> some of the blood being cut on biden with all these endless attacks even though again mm-hmm. you know there's a there's like a murder outline on the floor of the uh Melon Hall with the body called the truth. I mean, it was unbelievable. But right. rather than wind in New York Times about fact checking, what kind of de- let's say the polling goes from eight or nine points nationally to four a- on a bump after the convention. Uh, what how how does the Democratic campaign manage that? Because I think there are going to be a lot of a lot of nervous, worked up people oh my who've been on a diet of good polls. The bedwetting. Oh
2: my! The bedwetting will be. Uh, you'll need a reservoir. I mean, it will be. Uh, <laughs> It will it be depends. epic. It will be <laughs> literally right. Uh, it, it will be epic. Look, I, I think, as I said earlier, I, I think, I think Biden has had the luxury of letting this com- campaign come to him, uh, and and more days than not, probably turning on the TV or his advisors turning on the TV and seeing, uh, you know, the old adage: if your opponent's hurting himself, just don't get in the way. And I, I think, you know, starting. Tomorrow, next week, certainly as you get into this traditional start of Labor Day, I think it is. I think you've got to be out there every day. I think I think the campaign's going to have to start traveling some. Uh, I think you're going to have to pop up in uh, in these battleground states. I think you're going to have to rapid test 35 people that you do a speech in front of. But you've got to have a message every day. You've got to prosecute this case because if you're showing up every day at 2 p.m. to set the record straight. Uh, you're going to find yourself on the losing end of this thing very quickly. They've got to prosecute a case against Trump and for what Biden and Harris would do. And they've got to do it. You know, it's it's got to be every single day in a way that quite frankly, the campaign just hasn't dictated until this
3: point. What do you think that would be? I mean, it's not light versus dark. It's not build back better. I can tell you that much. Yeah. That
0: sounds like a chain
2: of
3: chiropractors.
0: I hope they get rid of that slogan. It, it, uh, I
2: couldn't
3: believe that was a slogan.
2: I, you know, look, I don't, I don't know that I'd get real fancy on slogans. I think I would just, you know, look, I think maybe through the lens of, you know, are you better off than you, than you were four years ago? Uh, you know, let's walk through what, and, and, and most importantly, let's walk through what we have to do, um, to get this thing back on the rails. I mean, I do think the contrast of, of being the sane, calm, uh, non-chaos person is is of benefit. I mean, I, I remember yeah. when this campaign first started 18 months ago and people, Democrats, saying, we need somebody who can stand toe-to-toe and slug Donald Trump and go insult <laughs> for insult, and there couldn't be anything more wrong. I think you wanna, you've want you got to turn on the, the television every day and see somebody who's, who's prosecuting a case of a president, not afraid to say what Donald Trump is doing wrong, but also walking through what has to be done to get this thing back on You know
3: what? Life. That's such a good contrast, and it it's totally right. It's not attacking Trump every day. It's saying every day what needs to be done to fix this mess. It's
0: also outcomes. In other words, people know Trump's an asshole. So don't tell them what they already know about Trump because it's not been the number mover, though Trump is in trouble. It is who gets a better life next year with which candidate? You know, who will put your kids in school? who will, the cities won't be a fire. It's back to Trump will give you safety, security, no chaos. So you can, excuse me, Biden will. So you can imagine a a, a way out of all this. Because with Trump, you know you're going to get more Trump. I have to
2: say I'm impressed to a degree with both parties to have navigated conventions like we'd never seen before. You know, I think each probably used some tactical you know some demonstration of, of how they how the speakers were uh, to their benefit tactically in, in you know in lifting up their strategy i thought you know the, the obama speaking to no crowds was smart i think having pence do that speech last night even in front of a small crowd was important to get some applause um, yeah i mean I, I, I you know i give both can- campaigns uh, some credit for navigating this but w- you know we've seen you know the ratings have slipped um, that's not just a, 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 that, I mean, look, that's happening in all our TVs. We're just not watching TV like we used to. So what do you think, how do these things look going forward? Do they matter the same amount? Do they, will we look back at this and think, eh, wasn't that big a deal these four days on each side?
3: People are saying, well, maybe they'll just all be digital from now on. No, there's value of bringing people together, actually having a platform maybe one day again, but they certainly could be shortened. <laughs> right? Like four days seems awfully indulgent. Um, for, for any, I just, I watch it because I need to, but it's too much.
0: I think some people will go for nostalgia. Thank God we can finally do it, you know, and we're back and whatever party wants to say we're back and we achieve normalcy, will want a big crowd and a nostalgic convention. On the other hand, these things have always been TV shows and, uh, you know, it, it is, we're in an evolution now to maybe a new kind of TV show, but I, I think the crowd element is harder to let go. And remember, the conventions are run at, in some ways by the parties that have their own constituency on the national committees, right. and they love to go from hotel to hotel and check the buffet and pick a city. There's a whole—it's like the model train collectors club. All the feuds have nothing to do with model trains. It's who sat at the head table and who got to wear the good conductor hat on the field trip. So they're hard to kill that way, uh, and and we'll see. Well, hey, let's play the music and answer some mailbag questions.
1: It's listener mailbag.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're jingle nuts here. That's a radioactive thing from my old Radio Free GOP uh, podcast. And I got to say, your voice is really getting good. Well, yeah, I don't sing like I used to. There's a whole story of those jingles, which we don't have time to talk about. But those are the old famous Big Boss radio jingles, re And uh, one one time we are doing an episode, and I'll play all the Trump insult jingles I did back in the old days. If you have a mailbag question out there, Hacker Rouge, you can send it to us at hacksontap at gmail.com. That's hacksontap at gmail.com. And do us a favor and pretend you're Putin and go fool around with the Internet and rate us on Apple Podcasts, because that helps push the podcast to new people who may not know about it. All right, let's take a look and uh, answer some quick questions.
3: This one is from John. He says, I'm a never Trump Republican from Philadelphia suburbs with recent conversations about Democrats eliminating the filibuster if they win the Senate. How concerned are you that if Trump loses, they can push through single payer Green New Deal, et cetera, with a simple majority? I find myself now reconsidering my never Trump stance as the only way left to stop this crazy agenda from going forward. Tell me where I'm wrong.
0: Well, John, good question. And a lot of never Trumpers do talk about that. There's a big debate going on. You can find a lot of it on the bulwark.com where we all write. I I made a half-hearted pitch for the idea of letting Mitch hang on by one vote because he and Biden (laughs) would counteract that and be able to square off the progressives. Look, Biden is not for most of that kooky stuff and he's a Wheeler dealer and the Senate can still obstruct a lot. And the the eliminating the filibuster institutionally is a hard vote to get there. So, I think Trump is the big master problem, and I think that is a manageable risk, not as bad as the uh, people think that I'm willing to live with. Okay, Gibbs. Here's a question from Garrett: What's the deal with all these White House and Trump campaign staffers speaking in prime top spots at the convention? Is it common for a White House press secretary or communication staffer from the campaign? to address the convention. I think she's referring to Kellyanne's Emily uh, Semple McPherson routine with the white gown and the uh, broadcast to America. What do you guys think?
2: Garrett, let me just be clear. It is, uh, not only is it not common for the White House press secretary uh, or campaign staffers uh, to speak at the convention, it is uh, virtually unheard of. Uh, You know, we have to always remember whether it is Standing on the White House lawn or working inside the White House, uh, the taxpayers are, are paying for all of this. And the simple notion that any of these uh, individuals should be participating as as speakers, the president shouldn't be speaking behind the seal. I mean, I sa- i know I sound like some old traditional fuddy-duddy, but I think there have to be, uh, you know, some real lines here around what is uh, what is official duty and what is political. I was struck by Mark Meadows, the former congressman and White House chief of staff who said, you know, he he just chalked this up to nobody outside the beltway cares about the Hatch Act, which prohibits people on the taxpayer payroll from doing politics. So, uh, so much for uh, law and order. Uh, Hallelujah, my friend. Amanda, let me ask you a question that comes in from Mary. Once the dust settles from this election, Do you foresee a legitimate third party, currency centrist party, emerging from the rubble?
3: That would be a really hard thing to get going. Not impossible, um, but it all would depend on the margin. You know, if Trump loses bigly, uh, (laughs) as he likes to say, something like that becomes easier to grapple with because he will be eliminated as the default head of the Republican Party. And then you just kind of have these old steel, you know, chairmen kicking around the states. Um, but still, that's going to be hard because DOP as an institution is so built up and ingrained in all the states. That said, I do know people who are looking at this as a generational battle and that the Republican Party has to change and the infrastructure that is built now is just simply not workable. You look at You know things that Mindy Finn is doing. Uh, She staged an uh, alternate convention (laughs) to the one that was going on this week, and just trying to get a coalition of right-leaning folks who do understand the need for principled leadership and are willing to reject Trumpism. So you know, we'll see. There's always people that are interested in this kind of idea. You kind of think about the Bloomberg's and the No Labels Project, and it never really seems to work um, because it is so hard to do, but. If it is going to work, you need people committed to, you know, a 5, 10, 15, 20 year deal.
2: Yeah, I I will say I was struck this week. Just there was a lot of uh, good reading over this week on how conservatism has left the Republican Party. So uh, it will be interesting to see uh, what comes next from all of this. Amanda Carpenter, you see her on CNN, you read her on The Bulwark. Thank you for staying up late and being with us uh, this week.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much. Gibbs, it's fun to start this thing. I think Axe will be in next week with you. And on Tuesday, we'll be doing the Murphy Axelrod Hacks on Tap. So thanks, everybody.
2: Yeah, and absolutely. Thanks for listening to our second show for the second week. And uh, tune in Tuesday and again uh, late next week for our second episode. Thanks, everybody.